Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. We are in a series called Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. This is our third week, and we've given you guys homework. Everybody hates homework, right? So that's why we did it, um, to prepare all the adults for school as well. So, um, But we've just asked, this is very doable, that you would read through the Sermon on the Mount that is found in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew 7, right? Not a lot of scripture that you need to be reading, but that you would be reading through that scripture passage through this series. And I've challenged all of us to maybe start in the New Living Translation, the NLT, the NIV, go to the NIV the next week, the King James Version. Some of you are like, thank God, finally. Um, the message, some of you are like, you were doing so well, right? Um, and, and just keep reading because the more that we read the Word and the more we get into the Word, the more the Word gets into us and reads us. And so, man, that we would be students of what God is trying to speak to our lives. Because the other thing is this, there is no possible way we're going to be able to get through all that we could preach through the Sermon on the Mount. So um, this is the third week of that. And as we start, I want to read you a scripture that is found in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. It says this, anxious hearts are very heavy, but a word of encouragement does wonders. Anxious hearts are heavy, but a word of encouragement does wonders. And my hope today is this, is that that would be the reality of what happens in this place and for those of you watching online. That, that all of us that have come in with anxiety and worry and stress and pretty much, if you're a mom in this place, I'm talking to you today, right? Most of the time, his dads were like, what? I didn't know anything was wrong. Nobody told me something was wrong, right? Like, you have to tell us that something's wrong for us to know that something's wrong. Oh, you're mad? I didn't know. I just thought, you know, that's just your resting face. Um, anyways. <laughs> anyways, uh, we're going to keep moving. Our marriage series is coming up. But the reality is anxiety and worry is a big deal. It's a, and it's a real thing. And my prayer is this, is that this message, that it's not the pastor and it's not the words, but it's the Holy Spirit, that he brings an encouraging word that does wonders to your life. So I'm gonna invite us all to stand up. Some of you are like, man, this feels like a Catholic church. Up, down, up, down. <laughs> We're gonna begin today with a word of prayer. And I'm gonna invite you guys all to just place your hands like this. Because you can't hold anything with your hands like this. Let's go before the Lord. Lord, we come before you. Everything we brought in, we surrender it. Every care, every worry, every stress, all the things that we are anxious about, God, I pray that today we would lay it at your feet because the simple truth is you care more about our lives than we can and you are a better manager of our lives than we are. So from every student to every grandparent, and everything in between, I pray today that we would become more like you and live our life in the freedom you've called us to live it in. It's in Jesus' wonderful name I pray, amen. You guys can be seated. Today I wanna talk to you about escape rooms and kettlebells. Escape rooms and kettlebells, neither one that I'm a fan of. So um, 
Today our text is going to be found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. And if you've never been to Foundation Church, let me say this. Um, I only know how to be real and transparent when I preach. Um, You're going to hear me talk about a lot of imperfections today from your pastor and realize one of our core values is growing equals changing, right? And I hope that you are growing and you are changing because, man, I am still a work in progress. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34 says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Let that sink in. Jesus could have just stopped there, and everybody been like, yeah, I'm gonna bow my head, raise my hand, that's me, right? Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your bodies, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if, this, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Some of you were like, what am I going to wear? I have nothing to wear, and this is just the men today, right? And so, um, for the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but there's a better way, right? Jesus is saying, but, let me stop doing this, but instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things are going to take care of themselves. They're going to fall into place. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Today, I want to talk to you about the topic of anxiety and worry. Anxiety and worry. And Jesus addresses this right here in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25. Don't worry about your life. Easier said than done, right? Don't worry about your life. I want to give you today the top four things that our world worries about, actually. This isn't just the United States. The big four stressors, the big four most anxious things um, that we stress about, we worry about, we're paranoid about. And the first one is this, money and future. Money and future, meaning this, your debt that you have, um, your retirement that you are, don't have enough of, right? Um, the dip that it took the last few years, paying for college, buying cars. Anybody tried to buy a car recently? Holy cow, right? Um, paying for cars and bills and clothes, all that. That's the number one stressor. The second one is this, our job security, Losing our job, pressures from our job, things going around in our workplace or connected with our job. Number three, relationships. And this one is one that I think all of us feel, right? If you're single in this place, there's a bit of stress, there's a little bit of worry in the back of your mind, even if you're like, no, I'm perfectly lonely, like John Mayer's song, I'm perfectly lonely, you're a liar. Um, but <laughs> if, if you're single, you're, there, there's thoughts in the back of your head, am I ever going to find the one? Right? Am I ever going to find 
that person, or am I going to be alone in my life? I just wish I knew which way it was going. If you are in a relationship, you're going, is this, is this the one? Is, is this as good as I can get, right? Like some, is, he, is his ears and nose really going to keep growing the older he gets? <laughs> it's a good thing we have a plastic surgeon at this church um, for your pastor. Um, you will never see my lips move. Um, but is, 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 you know, is, is, is this really who she is? Or after I say my vows, is she going to turn into like a gremlin monster, right? Like, uh, you know, you, you, are, are, are we good, right? If you're married, is our marriage going to make it? And if you've got kids, you're stressed about your kids. You're stressed about the school year that's starting, whether they're in college, whether they're in high school, mid-high, elementary, if they're not even in school, you're like, man, you just have your kid and they're born and you're like, I don't know if they're on track with everybody else. And if you've got parents that are aging, adult children, you're stressed about your parents. You don't know how to take care of them. You've never been there. You've never been at this moment and now the roles are changing. Number four thing that we're stressed about is our health. Man, I'm Get a bad doctor's report. You're just not in the shape. And, and here's the crazy thing about these four things. Here, here's what I want you to think about. The four things that we're the most anxious and stressed about, these four things are usually in our resolution somewhere. Right? The things that we're hoping get better, the things that we have goals for in our resolutions are the things that we are the most stressed out about. And so what I have realized is that there is something that Jesus is telling us, not just, we're not concerned so much about what kind of clothes, we're having enough clothes to wear, having enough food to eat, having a place to, to go and live. No, no, no. Our worries have kind of evolved, and, and I think Jesus would be like, dude, what are, you, what are you worried about? What are you stressed about? Like, you got plenty of food, you got plenty of be like plenty, 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 plenty of clothes. Like, your biggest argument with your husband is you've wore that a month ago. Like, really shut up. But but here's what I have noticed, and it's just true. You can worry and be anxious or be at peace and keep trusting. When it comes to life, you can worry and be anxious. It's an either-or, right? Or you can be at peace. And keep trusting. It's, it's one or the other. I've never seen a person that is full of worry that at the same time is full of peace. It's not done. Somebody that is constantly full of anxiety that's also full of trusting their Heavenly Father. It's, it's not done. It's like somebody who says they're going to go to McDonald's and eat healthy. And they order a double cheese quarter pounder with a supersized fries. But they're going to offset it with a Diet Coke. You know this. That's not, that, that does not work. Well, I'm making a water. That does not, that doesn't work. You just consume 2,000 calories. You get your parfait, yes. And hear me, you can't keep being a person who is full of trust and full of anxiety. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He says, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but only empties today of its strength. Can I tell you what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 27, what Jesus is saying is this, worry and anxiety steals moments from your life instead of adding moments to them. That's what worry and anxiety does. It steals moments from our life instead of adding moments to them. And here's why, because anxiety and worry doesn't just stay anxiety and worry. Why anxiety and worry have a hold on your mind and your emotions, it keeps evolving and turning into things. 
right? Anxiety and worry turns into you becoming irritable. You becoming snappy. You becoming temperamental. That's all code for you become a jerk, right? Like, you just, you're just not fun to be around. You're mean. You're not nice. Why? Because you're carrying anxiety and worry around. It turns into you becoming paranoid. And I will tell you, paranoia, I loved what one of my pastors said. He said this, paranoia will destroy you, right? I'm like, ooh, you're crafty Ryman. Maybe you should be a rapper instead of a pastor. Um, but paranoia will destroy you, right? It's true. And then we become stressed out, and then we get grumpy, and we become a jerk again, right? And all of a sudden, we start lacking trust, and all this turns into something really dysfunctional. And this is where your pastor struggles. You turn, and I turn into a control freak. You turn into a control monster. And if you're not in control, if you're not in charge, you hate it. Right? Like, anytime I'm driving, I'm driving. I'm not right with my wife. I'm, I'm driving. Like, that's what I do. We could drive for 20 hours. Do you want to break, Justin? No, I do not want to break. I want to be in control and in charge of where we're going, how fast we're going, when we stop, where we stop, because there's a difference between restrooms I have learned, right? Um, you always stop on the same side of the road. Why am I going to go over there? That's another two minutes that that's going to take us. Like, we're on a 20-hour road trip. Every two minutes counts, right? And, and we become control freaks. And here's what I've learned. When it comes to control and fear and control and anxiety, this is on my wife's screensaver, and I've saved preaching this point, but it's true. You can either have faith or control, but you can't have both. You can have faith or control, but you can't have both. How many of you have been to an escape room? It's okay. It's okay. How many of you are good at escape rooms? Yeah, I'm not. I've never, I've played three escape rooms, gotten out of none of them. None. And, and I think my problem is I'm like, they're going to let me out. I'm like, who cares? Oh, I didn't escape. Well, joke's on you. I still got out, sucker, right? Like, I got to spend more time in your room. I got my money's worth. That's what this is called. Being a good steward of my dollar. And here it is, I just, I just don't care, because I'm like, ah, okay. So usually I take a back seat and just let everybody else, I'm like, sure, that sounds great. Let's check that code out. Yeah, let's try a flashlight on that, whatever it may be. And like a door, a secret passage opens into another room, and you're like, ooh, this is so exciting. And I'm like, we're in an escape room. Like, like, and here's what always strikes me. What always strikes me is somebody goes in, and sets the room up exactly how it's supposed to be. Every clue's where it is. Everything is set up before you get into the room. They know how it's supposed to look. They know where everything's supposed to be. And when you get into the room, they're watching you. All you government conspiracy people that love escape rooms, what is wrong with you? <laughs> they're watching you. And like, I never ask for hints because if you ask for hints, that's cheating. Like, you didn't get out. You had to ask for a hint, you baby. <laughs> right? And so like, they'll, like, anytime I've played, they're like, sir, do you need a hint? Shut up and leave me alone. I'm doing this on my own, right? And then after you're done and you didn't get out in time, 
but you destroyed the room anyways. There's somebody there that puts it all back together. And there's a scripture that says this in Revelation 22, 13, where God says this, I am the alpha and the omega. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. Meaning this, your heavenly father, just like that person was there before you ever went into the room, knew exactly how it was gonna be set up and knew exactly how it needs to look, was there before time and before you ever got into the situation you were worried and anxious about. He knew how it was going to look, he knew how you were gonna feel, and he knew how you were gonna function in it. And he wasn't just there before your situation, he is there in the middle of your situation. The Bible says that he has given us the Holy Spirit, which is our comforter, our our guide and our counselor to give you tips, to give you advice, to give you counsel, to give you guidance when you don't know where to go. When you feel stuck, he's there to see you all the way through. And when you get to the end of it and your situation is done and you're done with the room and you're done with the stress and you're done with the anxiety, here's what I love. Your heavenly father isn't done with you. He's still moving. He's still working. He's still on your behalf doing what you can't do on your own. And yet... We want to control it. And yet, we want to take over the reins, and this has been going on for thousands of years. In fact, probably the best leader, one of the best leaders, we'll put him in the top five of the Old Testament, a man named Moses. You know him. You know Moses, prince of Egypt, right? And, and, and Exodus chapter three, verse 10 through 14, you know Exodus three because here's what happens. Moses has the burning bush experience. You guys remember this, right? Like, this is pre-marijuana. So it wasn't like, dude, God showed up to me in a bush, right? No, 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 no. Like, this really happened. Whoa, right? Like, no, you went to the dispensary too late last night. God showed up in this burning bush. And I want you to think about it. Like, I always think of the three amigos, which really ages me with the singing bush. Like, I'll be coming around the mountain when he comes. Like, <laughs> that's what my brain thinks of. But way cooler than that. And God's talking to Moses. He says this, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. I would love to have seen this. Moses starts arguing with a bush. Starts protesting to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask me, oh yeah? Prove it, right? What's his name? And, and to me, this is one of the most powerful moments in Scripture. God tells Moses his name. He's not just the God of the ancestor. He says this, then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Right? It almost sounds like Popeye. I am who I am, right? Say this to the people of Israel, people that you don't know who aren't going to be for you, I am am has sent me to you. Like, like who, who sent you? His name, like, what's your name, God? I am. Come again? Like, I, like this is the chief 
trump card of every title ever given, every name, right? Like, what's your name? I am. I am the beginning. I am the end. I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am the first. I am the last. I am in it with you, and I will see you through it. I, my name is, I, I am all that you could possibly ever need in your life. My name is I am. And all of a sudden, it's like a little kid, right? Like, it's like when you're arguing with your kids and they're just waiting for you to shut up, parents. You know this moment. God tells him everything that's gonna happen, how it's gonna go down in Egypt, what's gonna go on, what's gonna occur. And right when he gets done, Moses does this. Exodus chapter four, verse one. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? It's like he's waiting for God to take a breath so he can be like, but, 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 but God, but God, but God. What if they don't believe me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? And here's what Moses is showing about ourselves and how powerful and dysfunctional worry and anxiety is. Worry focuses on your what if, but trust is focused on the I am. Right? Worry is focused on the what if. I mean, it's such a great line. Anxiety is focused on the what ifs of life. But trust Faith, peace is focused on the I am of your life. And just like Moses, we gravitate towards this. And, and here's what we gravitate and what we have become and what we do as followers of Christ. Our tendency is to be anxious about everything and pray about nothing because prayer has become our last option instead of our default. Really, we try to fix it. Men, come on, let's be honest. We try to fix it, right, before we ever pray about it. And if you get to a point where you're worrying about it enough and you're anxious about it enough and you can't sleep enough, then I guess I will end up praying about it. Default defined means this, to revert automatically to. When I am putting in my sermon and typing my sermon in, uh, my, my iPad always defaults to Times New Roman font. And I hate Times New Roman. It's not inspiring at all, right? Like, it just feels bland. I'm just like, ah. And so I use Rockwell. And really the point is I can read Rockwell font a lot easier because my eyes are getting old, right? But I have to go in there and purposefully set it to a different font. It's, that's not its default. Its default is Times New Roman instead of its default being Rockwell, right? And just as I have to go do that, hear me, you've got to switch your default of your mind of your life to a new operating system because you were meant to operate and function different than everybody else. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, it says this, don't worry about anything. We get that backwards. We worry about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done. Remember what he's done while you're, while you're telling him what you need, right? Then, if you will do this, there's a cause and effect. If you do this, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. A peace that passes all understanding. You heard that growing up. That's what this is based off of. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So how does this verse become the reality? Because Justin, I hear, I hear you. You're saying don't be anxious, don't, don't worry, but, but how? The Bible's saying don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. How, right? And let me give you a, three things, three things real quick. The, the how-to 
pray about everything instead of worrying about everything. The first one is this. Learn to cast it instead of carrying it. Learn to cast it instead of carrying it. I've got a kettlebell here that's about 70 pounds. Here's why I will tell you. I hate working out with these things. Every week, we do farmer carries at the gym, and the guys that I work out cuss me out about this, and I wish I was making that up, but it's true. They call your pastor's names that I can't say from this pulpit, and we go around a gym. There's two big gymnasiums at Lifetime, and we just carry these things, right? And we carry it around, and then when we get done, we switch to like a dumbbell, and you do waiter carries. And these are horrible, right? This thing gets heavy. I don't like these. It's hard to breathe. It's really hard to talk. Um, while you're doing this, because it's heavy. But can I tell you, this is exactly what we look like when we're coming into church, when we're going through life. We're carrying all the worry, and we're carrying all the anxiety. And people, we walked into church today, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm great. (laughs) Yeah, are you sure you're kind of limping? No, blessed and highly favored, brother. How are you? They don't believe us, we turn the Christianese on, right? Like, just God's the God of miracles and blessings. <laughs> Hashtag bless life, you know, and this is you. We come in and worship, can't use both hands, we just gotta do the one hand. I only got one, I can only give you the one today. Or nothing, because I gotta just, ooh. How you doing? Oh, I'm great. How are your kids? You're checking your kids in, you're worried to death, you're worried they're gonna get kicked out of FC Kids because they're going to hell. We laugh because it's true. Um, <laughs> and we're like, man, I, I, I don't know. I, they're doing good. They're doing good. School's great. School's great. They're already bullied. They're already confused. I, I'm just, yeah. Don't ask me any questions because I'm going to break down right in the hallway. And this is us. If we were given a real picture, this is us. And the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. In the midst of you carrying your weight around, in the midst of you being on the verge of burnout because you've been carrying worry and anxiety so long, you know what the term cast means? It means to let go. So many times we think of a fishing rod that we cast and we reel back in. Some of you, you're reeling back in what you were meant to lay down. And here's what it is. Some of you, you've been carrying this, and he says, you know what? Cast, let it go, and learn to walk in a better way of living. Man, learn to live life like I've called. Stop worrying about your life. Stop worrying about it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and give it to me because I know how to handle this weight a lot better than you do. I know how to handle your burdens a lot better than you do. That's why in the beginning of this speaking, he said this, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Right, the second thing is this. Be purposeful about what you set and fix your mind on. Be purposeful about what you set and fix your mind on. This means no idle thoughts, right? That's really hard for ADD people. I'm just telling you, no idle thoughts. 
when you are struggling with anxiety and you are struggling with fear and you are struggling with worry, you cannot struggle with your thought life. You have to be in control of your thought life. You have to be purposeful about what you are letting your mind think on and, 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 and meditate on and focus on. Isaiah 26, verse three through four says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. That means you are placing it, you are fixing it there. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Trust in the Lord always, even when it's going wrong, even when it's not turning out like you thought, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when the what-ifs want to come and occupy your mind. Man, you keep in perfect peace all who trust you because their thoughts are fixed on you. Philippians 4.8, right after where Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Here's what Paul says. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Place them there and don't let them move. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think about all that God has already done instead of what you're needing him to do. Right? Think about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Think and set your mind on those things. And the third thing is this, determine what you are going to do when you become afraid. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And men, we don't like to admit that we get afraid. But here's what I would tell you, determine what you're gonna do when you become afraid. When I become afraid, when your pastor becomes afraid, here's what happens with me. We all have a fill in the blank, right? Like when I, when I am afraid, I fill in the blank. And when I'm afraid, I try to fix it. And I can't fix things very good. Mechanically, I, I'm really bad. Like people, okay, that's kind of my, my wheelhouse, but I try to fix it. And when I can't fix it, guess what? I get really cranky. I get really irritable. Because you're looking at a stinking control freak up on stage. When I get afraid... I can't sleep at night. That's my fill in the blank. It's hard for me to sleep. Oh, I'm just so godly. I'm just up all night praying. No, I'm not. I'm praying because I can't sleep because I'm freaking out. And what's your fill in the blank today? We all have it. When I'm afraid, I freak out. When I'm afraid, I pout and I sit on the ground. I'm like, life's not fair. I don't like this. Sitting right, I've done everything right, I've done it all, I just don't understand why it's not happening in my time, it's never gonna happen. And you pout and you mope and you get pitiful and you can be pitiful or powerful, but you can't be both. So you get to pick. When I'm afraid, I shut down. I shut people out. I become a hermit. I don't wanna hear nice things. I don't wanna hear that God's got this because right now, I don't feel like he does got it. When I get afraid, I eat my feelings, I give up, I shut down, I fall apart, I stress out, I get discouraged and give up. I talk about how life isn't fair, but understand what David said in Psalms 56.3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Man, when I'm afraid, I put my trust, and, and here it is, this is the key to it. When I'm afraid, I choose can I tell you, you feel anxiety. 
You feel yourself to worry. You feel afraid. You feel fearful. But when I'm afraid, I'm going to choose to put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I may have to choose it every 10 minutes. I may have to choose it every hour. I may have to choose it every day. It is something you got to do on a regular basis. Because hear me, right when you think you got this thing licked, we're in anxiety come out of nowhere. And when I'm afraid, if I'm not purposeful, if I don't have a plan of action beforehand, when I'm afraid, I've got to learn to put my trust in you. Um, as I close today, I asked my oldest daughter, Charlie, if I could use this story, and she graciously agreed. Um, I've not talked about this story I couldn't even type this story until late last night. And um, it, it, I've got a picture of my daughter, Charlie, so if you see her walking around, you can be like, hi, Charlie. Um, she's a senior this year. She's an awesome kid. She's not perfect, but do this for me. Church, do this for me. Don't go up to her after this service and make it weird for her, Right? All right, let's not be weird to my daughter. Um, I'm just glad she let me use this story. In eighth grade, Charlie was not the person you see right now. And, and if you've seen my picture in eighth grade, she came by it honestly, right? Like it just, it's just, I mean, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. Man, and, and she was in a dark place, and I know we were, she was in a dark place. Casey and I knew, but sometimes you know your kids are struggling, but you don't know how bad the struggle is. You know what I'm talking about, parents? You, you kind of are there. And I remember Charlie coming down, and her favorite color to wear that year was black, so that was really fun. Um, and I was like, wow, I'm black again. Um, yeah. Um, and, and she comes in, and she goes, Mom and Dad, I, I need to talk to you. And I'm, we were like, okay. And I was like, please don't say you're pregnant. Please don't say you're pregnant. Um, and she goes, I, I'm, I'm struggling with depression. All right? It's got real. And she goes, and it's, it's not like I'm just sad from this week or from this weekend or for a month. She goes, it's been going on, and I don't know how to get over it because I don't want to live in because I don't want to live anymore. And in that moment, in the middle of my living room, all the worry and the anxiety that a pastor isn't supposed to feel this father felt. Because I try to help people. I try to help fix people. And yet I've got my daughter sitting right across the room from me and I don't know how to fix this situation. I don't know how to pray this situation away. And I listened, and I listened, and I said, whatever you need. You wanna go to council? We go to council. No, I don't want that. You wanna go eat pizza and like have some ice cream? I'll do that. No. And we just stayed consistent. We tried not to bug her. We tried not to bug her. But can I tell you, here's, here's the hard thing. It didn't just go away. 
And the fear every night when I'd go to sleep, there was in, in this dad's heart and my wife's heart especially. And I remember Casey would fall asleep crying at night. Remember I'd wake up and I, I couldn't sleep and I'd put my ear to her door just to make sure everything was good and I would just put my hands on her door and pray because that's all I could do. And yet, here's what Casey and I learned. In the process of it, Casey just, when she would pray, she felt like the Holy Spirit telling her just to get on her face before the Lord. Just to lay on her face with her hands up. And she said, I'm gonna trust you with my girl. God, I trust you with my girl. And in the, about a few weeks in, he said, no, no, no. I want you to say this. God, I trust you with your girl. I, tr I trust you know how to handle this a lot better than I know how to handle this. Foundation Church, I'll be honest, I got up here a few weeks, not here, the old location, I just had to fake it sometimes. Because inside, man, my faith was struggling and I was crumbling. But I kept, when I'm afraid, I'm gonna keep trusting in the Lord. When I'm afraid, I'm gonna keep, because I can't carry that. I can't fix that, but I know somebody that can. And it may not happen in my timing. It may not happen like I thought it was gonna happen, but can I tell you, it still happened. And Charlie is grown, and she is moving, and she is working, and she has developed into the person God has called her to be. And so if you're here today and you say, Justin, I've just got so much anxiety and worry because I, I don't know how to fix this. I get it. I get it. Here's what I would tell you. When I'm afraid, I'll cast on my cares. When I'm afraid, I will fix my thoughts. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in him. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you. And Lord, I, there's moments, there's, there's moments up here that you can feel the weight people are carrying. And that's one of those moments. And so God, I pray right now your word says that if we would draw near to you, you draw near to us. And so, God, I pray that right here in a very raw and a very real way that we would just lay our worry and anxiety before your feet because, Lord, we're so tired. We're so scared. We're so afraid. But, Lord, I pray that there would be a determination in our soul that we wouldn't feel fear we wouldn't feel the anxiety and the worry as much as we would the hope of who's got it all under control. The Lord, in the midst of everything going on right now, that even when it doesn't make sense, we would put our trust in you. And we would keep praying about everything because if we'll do that, you give us a peace that passes all understanding. 
here's, I want to do something really different. I'm going to ask everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes. Please, let's keep this just a moment for a second. I've never done this in almost 14 years of our church. Today, if you're here, and maybe you're where Charlie specifically was. I just feel like this needs to be a specific moment. And you say, Justin, you know what? It's just hard to live right now. It's just hard to live right now. If that's you, do this, do this for me. Would you just raise your hand? I, I know that. I'm asking everybody to close your eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who else? Come on. Yeah. God, every person you see, and I pray every person that raised their hand right now, man, that they would know, first off, you see them and that they matter. And that, Lord, in the midst of feeling like everything is out of control, Lord, you have not given over your authority over our lives. And so, God, I pray for every person right now that just raised their hand. God, that the... the, just a struggle to keep living. It's just a struggle to keep moving. I pray that Holy Spirit, you'd, you'd come in and you would infuse an inner strength into their life. That Lord, the joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That God, that wouldn't be a song or a phrase we talk about, but that would become a new reality for the people that raise their hands in this building. That Lord, I may not feel happiness. I may not feel like what I'm want to feel like, but I'm going to allow the joy that surpasses feelings to strengthen me and to be my bedrock. And even when it's hard to surrender, even when it's hard not to be anxious, even when it's hard not to be depressed, even when it's hard not to be worried, I'm going to cast my cares on you because you're better at caring for my life than I am. So Lord, I pray every person would realize you still have their life in the palm of your hands. That you are our shepherd. And you're not just a shepherd, but you are a good shepherd. And if we will continue to follow you, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. You're in the middle of it with us. So I pray that there would be peace. Man, I pray that there would be joy and they would realize, God, I truly believe this with all my heart. Their best days are ahead of them. God, their best days are ahead of them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed, eyes closed today, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you a chance to change that. Today, if you're here and you say, Justin, you know what? Where I'm at isn't where I should be in my relationship with Jesus. And I need to recommit my life. We want to give you a chance to change that. And so I'm going to count to three, and all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand, and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, Justin, that's me. Man, where I'm at isn't where I need to be. And I want to join these four hands that are already lifted because I know there's a change in my personal relationship with Jesus Christ that needs to happen. Is there anyone else you want to join these four hands before we go before the Lord in prayer? You just say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, I got you. Is there anyone else you say, Justin, that's me. You join these five hands that are lifted before we go any further. 
You just say, man, I need to change, and there's a change that needs to happen in my heart. Maybe that's you at home today, and you say, that's me. Is there anyone else before we go any further? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess, I've messed up and I've sinned, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it, and I turn to you. And I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these five individuals that raised their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.